0: is Walk and Roll Live. This
1: is Walk and Roll Live.
0: A podcast dedicated to the disabled community, sharing stories of courage and triumph, joy and discovery, and everyday
1: successes and challenges. Now, here are your hosts, Doug Vincent and Eric Aguilar.
0: Hey, good morning, folks. How y'all doing this morning? Welcome to another sunny day in sunny Southern California. Today it is 81 degrees. Thank the Lord. It is no hotter than that. Let's enjoy this cool weather while we can, huh? I'm here with my buddy, my buddy Doug. Hey Doug, what's up, man? How you
1: doing? I am good, good. Thank you for joining us on Walk and Roll Live, Eric. And uh how was your week? We um let's see. I'll try to remember, did we talk about Disability Expo? Yeah, we did, right? Last week.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. We talked about
1: that one. Yeah. Yeah. So that went well. That went well. And uh, we aired, of course, then our yeah, our uh, episode that had Jeremy from SEDD uh, that the episode did really well, a lot of, uh, listens, a lot of downloads. So we appreciate everybody, uh, listening to that. A big update from me this week is I, uh, came down with COVID. So sometime later in the evening, after we did the show last Tuesday, I started kind of feeling a little bit of a scratchy throat and a few other things. And I thought a cold was coming on and like, it happens to me a lot. I get that a lot. And then not a lot, but, you know, i get that from time to time and then it's just a good night's sleep and I wake up and everything's fine. But nope, next morning it was uh, everything. just was full on. Yeah. I got a cold, but then as time went by, I thought, no, this is, this is more than a cold, you know? So I, I had a COVID test here. So I took a, took the test and sure enough, I'm positive for COVID. So first time, you know, where it's been over four years and this is the first time that it's, uh, tracked me down. So, I had my uh my first episode with covid hopefully it'll be the last and I took uh and I've taken vaccinations I've taken three up to this point so but they got mild case I think you know as, as cases I'm sure uh go it uh it turned out to be very mild uh you know somewhere between a bad cold and a mild case of covid I guess and the doctor was able to get me meds real quick uh, got those started taking those right away and just like she said they they take effect pretty, pretty good. I've got one more dose this afternoon and that's the, the Paxlovid you probably heard about. And then I've had some friends that have uh, said, you know, be aware of kind of the bounce back after you take that last dose of the medication, sometimes the symptoms will start coming back. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, as of today, I'm feeling really well. So good, to, good to say. Now we had, uh, we had a guest all lined up for today And it was another one of those situations where something came up, uh, an emergency for our guests. Hopefully we can get them back on, Uh, you know, hopefully everything is going to be good, you know, and they'll get back on their feet real quick and we'll uh, be able to get them rescheduled and get them back on. But in the meantime, (laughs) we have a show to do. And I thought, well, maybe Eric and I can just kind of throw the, you know, shoot the, you know, here today and, and uh, kind of fill some time and do an episode. And I knew that would be fun. But then it dawned on me, I'm talking about getting my brother on because we talk about him from time to time and get him back on. And he he was in the original podcast, but uh, we haven't actually talked to him now with the relaunch. So let's have him on. He could be part of the discussion. So reached out to him and he's like, it's a go. So uh, we'll take a quick break here from the Aguiar Professional Training Studios. And then we'll come back and... We'll talk to Eric and and my boy, Drew. That's my brother, Drew, all right?
0: We'll be right back, folks. Time to get me some coffee. Aguiar Professional
1: Training offers comprehensive organizational development and organizational effectiveness services for corporations, nonprofits, educational institutions, and individuals. What they do is improve work environments in key areas, such as performance management gaps, group interactions, morale and trust building, and team dynamics, to name just a few. Using a strength-based approach in conjunction with individual or group coaching, all of the strategies have produced significant results. APT also assists with managing change, improving work processes, training, and management of human capital. Learn more at agarprofessionaltraining.com, A-G-U-I-A-R, professional training.com welcome back to walk and roll live i am doug benson along with a buddy eric aguilar how you doing eric
0: good morning guys it's your buddy eric how y'all doing this morning
1: good good hey also uh we've uh, got a special guest this morning uh, we brought in my brother, Drew Vincent. We've alluded to him a few times on the program. And so let, if I may here to kind of set things up for everybody, and what we're doing today. First of all, uh, our thoughts going out to our guest that was supposed to be on today. Had an emergency come up, couldn't make it. So we we hope the best in a full recovery for them. And uh, and hopefully we'll have them on, uh, you know, again here in the next few weeks. Uh, that's our our first uh, our first thought. And then, so I got to thinking last night, well, maybe Eric and I could just kind of do just a topics, random topics kind of thing. You know, what's on our minds, you know, what's, what happened in the last week, you know, those kinds of things. And I thought we could have some fun with that. And then, uh, and then i had been thinking about having my brother back on because he's, he was uh, one of our guests on when we started this thing like 11 years ago. So I had told my story. I think if he wasn't the second guest, he was, he was right up there. Um, so I had him on to tell his story, which essentially very, you know, very close, of course, to my stories. Sorry, we kind of went through it together, but from his perspective, which was fascinating at the time to listen to, I, and I, I would say probably for both of us to some degree, you know, get that different perspective of the same thing, the things that we had never really talked about until you sit down and, and tell the story. Uh, so, so again, we've, so I told my story again because there's, you know, people that are of course coming on this that haven't heard my story from the previous time, just like Drew. So I thought, oh, you know, I mentioned him a lot, so I'll have him back on. So given the situation that we were faced with today, I thought let's invite Drew in. So kind of, so I thought we would do both. I thought we would, you know, maybe have Drew can tell his story again and then also we can just kind of throw things around and around robin kind of a thing and just talk about different topics as they come up from you know you tell your story or you know us having things on our mind from uh, past guests or whatever you know so mm-hmm. uh so want to thank you uh, drew for joining us on the igyar professional training studio here and i uh, want to remind everybody you can find us on spotify and art iart radio google everywhere that podcasts are found and uh, please I haven't mentioned this in a while. I have been derelict in my duties. Please like, share, follow, subscribe. Help us build our audience and reach more people. So, welcome Drew. How you doing? I'm doing great. How y'all doing? Excellent, excellent. So, I, um, just a touch of background if you don't mind. Um Drew as uh in the last it's been a little over a year now. I've been working on it for a good two or three years. He's retired. Him and his wife Decided to move to Mexico, so uh, he's been living down there for a little over a year. And uh, by all reports, he loves it. <laughs> so uh, I'm surprised he doesn't have a margarita in front of him right now. To tell you the truth, or a gin and tonic or something. <laughs> That's later in the afternoon. I do it. I do it. So what's new? What's up?
2: Not a whole lot. Um, been thinking a lot lately about. Uh, growing up with my disability or our disabilities and the, the resources that we had back then and the resources that are available now. And of course this all came to mind listening to your show and everything that's out there. If, if you've got some type of, um, disability that you need some information on it's it's out there and everybody's gone through it they've shared it on the web they've got these different forums including this one and you happen to text me i think about the middle of my thought process and talk, i asked you how you were doing and then how's the show doing and then you asked me on the show so i think that's how i kind of got here today
1: That is the that's the that's, a, that's good that's good because I don't want to interrupt <laughs> you know <laughs> when you and I talk when you and I talk uh, definitely I I have thoughts you know that you you peak yes. when I when we talk and <laughs> and I get excited and and uh, so so I'm trying to refrain from doing that to you but yes those thoughts so much the same you know what we had as resources that were available to us when we were younger and. And not only just the resources, but I think the, you know, the mindset of society and just so many different things. And, you know, when I was asked to join Rolling Start, the group here, and I said, what are they all about? They're, they're all about an independent life for people with disabilities. I'm like, yeah, sign me up. I'm all about that. But then I, I think my most immediate thought after that was, we're still doing that. You know, we're still having to fight for space in the, in the arena. And, and I was just, was kind of blown away because we, you know, we, we went from going to a, I don't know how you would say it, or I don't know how to say it. I saw a, 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 school for handicapped children, you know, it was a two school room house and it was divided between kindergarten to what fifth or sixth and then sixth to high school seniors.
2: The other side. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 12. And and with those two groups, what, what would you say? No more than sixty people tops or less? No, oh, there's twelve students on each side. Is that what it was? Twelve, yeah. See. I'll tell you right now, Drew always has a better memory than me, and I always defer to that. If I if I if we have an argument about that, I don't even try. It's like okay, I'm gonna defer to you. But uh yeah, see so there you go. <laughs> and then we got to um we got to a point where then they and I guess this was, is this the term at the time? They mainstreamed us. We, then we went to regular school, I think is what they called it. And Drew started, he was a pioneer, you know, go.
2: Yeah, I, that was one of the things I was thinking about, um, that process, that I got to the fifth grade and I don't know, I don't know all the behind the scenes stuff. I just know what happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. It started in the afternoon. Um, sending me up to the local uh, elementary school, a couple blocks up the street, and kind of introducing me into the classroom there, and so that 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 helped a lot. But you know, we're still back in the '60s, and they're trying to mainstream. And so I went to a what we call the regular school. Yep. back In in the and I redid the fifth grade, and. The challenge was I had come from an environment where everything was there for me, um, disability-wise, into an environment where they were not prepared for me. Um, And then I just had a lot of challenges that I wasn't used to. And uh, a big one was like, uh, you're in the classroom. We're going to go down to the other classroom. Y'all bring your chairs. Okay, well, (laughs) what do I do? And so there's these little challenges that they had to learn, you know, how to help. And I had to learn how to speak up and ask and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, it all worked out, but you know, you looked around the school and until you got there, I had no peer. No. And I was thinking all the way through junior high school and high school. I don't think there was another disabled person other than, you know, maybe deafness or blindness, but I'm, you know, physically, um, mobility disabled person like you and I were Um, so and then you know I went on to college and again you're you're facing those uh, same barriers and when ADA came out uh, that changed the world so then I moved down here to Mexico a year ago back in the 60s (laughs) again Yeah, (laughs) mentality wise (laughs) services wise the whole the whole the whole caboodle
1: so down there, are you finding there's no organized effort to to change that? Or
2: I don't find an organized effort. I I find um, they'll put a they'll put a ramp in up to their place, but it'll be like a you know, 45 degree angle. Yeah, so you need something motorized to get you up it, and you need to be a drill seeker to go down it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just you know, a lot of things when you, you they'll have a platform, you know, they'll have a ramp up to the sidewalk to go into a building, but then they'll have the trash can between you and the door, and you can't. Yeah. You know, just things like that, and there's
1: so their heart's kind of in the right place, but the, the application right. is a little off. Yeah, yeah.
2: They're trying to they're trying yeah. to
1: do something, but I'm, I'm not sure
2: about uh, if there's a, a organized effort at all. But that's something I'm definitely going to be looking into. Um,
1: yeah. We, you know and if I could circle back here just for a second you know uh that was the thing going to uh to school and we accommodated uh, at least I th- I think our peers in school at least my experience was they accommodated us you know just like kind of what we did at home you know you were an avid sports guy you know he's he's sitting here with his his Dodger uniform on <laughs> you know you can't see him but um but you know you you did baseball and football and you know everything imaginable, and and how you did that with your friends as you came up with you know workarounds for different things you know whether it be the score how you scored what you did in basketball opposed to your able-bodied counterpart there or, or whatever it was and and same thing with me and when when I was in Junior high, you know, we worked out a ways that I could play flag football with people, you know, so even I could go out for a pass, you know, and I think it was probably a play designed that, well, we had to tell the other team, but, um, but what we did is, is I'd run out, you know, on my crutches and I'd put my crutch up and they'd throw the ball. And if I could hit the ball with my crutch as it came to me, even though it would fall to the ground, that was, I had the ball and then I would take it off running. And in about two seconds, everybody swarm around me and pull my flags on. But, you know, but those were the things, those were the things we do. So that's the thing that I see so much now in society where there's, that we've all, I think over the years, seen the PSAs where, you know, you know, how do you treat somebody with a disability? How do you talk to them and, you know, and, and include them and in they're outcasts and, you know, almost by creating these PSAs, if you will, to encourage people to include us, you're setting the tone that we're not included. Right? You know, you're 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 framing it in that we're not included. Well, that that, that wasn't my experience at all, and and I, so I don't know, and I I don't speak for everybody, and you know, and I always want to reiterate that so many times. These are these are our experiences and these are my kind of conclusions from my experiences. And this is how I myself felt about them. So that's why I love to have so many different guests on, you know, like you drew, I've, I've, it's opened my mind so much, you know, and not that I even thought I was closed mind, but I just in, in listening to you know, different experiences, I'm seeing how, you know, just because I didn't see it that way, it doesn't mean it wasn't that way, you know, because just, okay, and I thought about this the other day, and, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Um, 1972, 73, you know, there were people that were, were protesting and doing, you know, disabled people that were in the state houses who were, you know, in there for weeks doing protests and sit-ins. And just because somebody was denied access to college totally based on the fact that they were disabled. There's disabled. And, you know, you can't come here, you know, because you're disabled. And you went to college, you know, I I mean, you completed college. Let's make that clear. And, you know, I did a little bit of college, but I don't remember at any point anybody saying that you can't come, you know. Right.
2: Um when I got to college, it was at Santa Barbara City College. yep I'm familiar with that at all it's on the it's on the edge of a cliff
1: <laughs> right yep
2: front side of it towards the ocean you have La playa Stadium, which is a drop off into the football field when you go down to the beach. Well, so you have to climb up this hill just to to get there and then my name was my first, English class is on the second floor. The only way to get there is up a flight of stairs. So, you know, I do the stairs, and there's different classes that had stairs. And there was, yeah, there was no ramps or curves. There was nothing back at that, at that time. And the, the programs that came from those protests, the programs and the eventual ADA um, law that came in, just opened up a lot of opportunities, and, and uh, I think awakened a lot of people. Um, go back to growing up, I I felt like I was a wannabe athlete trapped in my body, and I couldn't include myself. I I couldn't do any I couldn't do little league. I couldn't do boys club. I couldn't do um, football. Then when I did get to Cathedral Oaks, my elementary school they did let me play football, I have to say that, so they started including me in a couple of things, so you know, I got to be center and snap the ball, but I think the other team was told not to touch me, um, sort of thing. <laughs> but you had to kind of, as most kids do, I just kind of made up my own things to do growing up um, that would challenge me, and I can remember way back, and I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but when We're uh, all about the tangent. Yeah, <laughs> I had piled up like six, seven bricks on top of each other, and I'd come over and I'd jump over them, and you know, jumping is a relative term, of course. And then I'd add another brick, and I think this mentality came from watching barrel racing, and <laughs> i ended up like ten or twelve bricks. And but the sad part was, um, mom walked out in the backyard, didn't see him, and tripped over, and sprained her ankle. So. <laughs> God, this is it back a memory there for me yeah. that I, I hadn't thought about in forever. A long time, huh? Yeah, yeah. So I would, uh, you know, I would do things that's like uh, run around the cul-de-sac, and I'd have a start and a finish line, and then I'd time myself and see if I could beat that time. Um, shooting baskets, you know, I'd do around the world and see if I could do, you know, how many shots it would take me to go around the world and back. Uh, that sort of thing. Um, to get involved with it, you know, I I did some scorekeeping for Little League, I did, uh, you know, I did a little umpiring, um, started into coaching, and uh, tried to stay as much involved in the uh, athletic world as I could, and I got to high school as a manager of several teams, uh, baseball for three years, of course, and I learned a lot of baseball and I took that knowledge on to coaching softball. And that's how I stayed involved with my able Body friends, I guess you'd say. Um, but nowadays, kids, what do you want to do? And there's a program out there for it. And <laughs> yep. they built programs for people that had nothing before. Um, we were lucky enough. And we've discussed this before of having each other to bounce things off of. The yep. so you were, for lack of a better, you were totally different than I was growing up. You know, you you had different ideas and and, and uh, I should say ideas, um, likes interest. and, and interests, right? Yeah,
1: I did. And we were. And you you may not know this, um, but you know, I wanted to be like you. You know, I don't know if you remember the time when I got a baseball met and, you know, wanted to do what you did. And, and, and it took me a while to figure out that, you know, it was just because I wanted to be like you and not because it's was my passion, you know? And so I had to kind of find my own passion, you know, and that's when it led me down, you know, more motor sports and those kinds of things. True. true. But yeah. Oh yeah. There was, there was periods where yeah, definitely wanted to be like Drew.
0: I have uh, three younger brothers of my own with the same uh, type of disability, but our conditions were different than the other, different fathers, and it was pretty funny too. My brothers wanted to be like each other, but growing up, I never wanted to be like my brothers at all. <laughs> I, and to this day, I always tell them, "I don't follow; I lead."
1: <laughs> very good, very good. Well, you know, I, I learned something, you know, because back then, not just not just from our experience, but. But so many times, you know, you see different kids in the same family, all raised by the same parents. It's so different. And and then I heard probably a psychologist or something talking about how, you know, everybody has their own personal uh, uh, identity. And many times, you know, kids are coming along, especially the oldest is going to set their identity. The next one, you know, comes along and says, well, I don't want to be like them. That's them. I don't want to be compared to them. And it may not even be a conscious thing, I don't think. But then they just, they find something else to be their own identity.
0: Yeah, Eric. Well, what made the ride more interesting is that there was always that sibling rivalry between me and the uh, brother, the middle child, because we um, played on a uh, little league for people with disabilities throughout um, eight and uh, uh, nine and ten years old. And what was funny is that it was always, you know, my team, you know, versus my brother's team, and it, oh, and it was very, 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 and it was crazy, and it was a hoot through and through. And I was a much better at a pitcher than I was a hitter. Little rivalry what was going on. Funny is that, um, what was also funny, though, is that I not only enjoyed the sport, you know, just for fun. I never really took consideration, you know, into doing it, you know, as a sport or for a living, and. Even so, my dad was more of a baseball man compared to me. But after watching a uh, a Sandlot, and every time I see uh, Dodgers or the logo, I think of one name: Rodriguez. <laughs> he's to me, he's one of the greatest players that ever lived, right next to you know the great Bambino and Jackie Robinson. But that's just me talking. First name Alex. Uh, uh, I think that's his name. I can't. I I can only think of the. I can't remember the last name. Never his first name. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
1: see, there, there, there that reminds me of a point, Eric. Is that our, our dad wasn't a big sports guy at all, no. right? No, oh. no, didn't fall. The only thing which uh, I'm sure Drew and I uh put our heads together, couldn't figure it out, but he loved to sit and watch golf. Never, as far as I know, never played any golf. I mean, he may have once or twice or something, but
2: he went out with Uncle Gary one time,
1: yeah. <laughs> Do you remember how that went?
2: Yeah, I think uh, he never played after that.
1: <laughs> now, is that where his interest in watching it, or had he already watched it before that, oh, you know? You
2: watched it before. This is when we were a little bit older. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that and why World of Sports.
1: Those he would watch that. Watch. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, the other thing, I too, I want to mention, as we have this part of the discussion, is that is that uh, there's this notion of a... And I don't mean to say notion to dismiss it, but of a hierarchy in disability, you know, and, uh, and I'm sure you're familiar with that. And Drew and I are, you know, we're at the privileged end, let's say in today's vernacular of that, you know, of that uh, hierarchy, if you will, in that, you know, we're white males who are ambulatory you know, I mean, now we're both in wheelchairs, we've transitioned to wheelchairs, but at the time, and, you know, in this time period, we're talking about, you know, we were, you know, we were ambulatory, you know, there's people listening to this show that think, you know, you, oh, you were faced with some stairs and you had to go upstairs, you know, there's people that are listening to this, like, you know, I ain't going up no stairs, you know, <laughs> never have, never will, you know, so. So you know, and we we certainly understand our perspective. That's why I say, you know, as we have our discussions on this show, I'm talking from my experiences, like everybody who's on this show, they have full reign to say whatever they want to say from their perspective and their experiences. So, where so where do you where do we go next? Uh, you know, out of that the college experience your mobility challenges, notwithstanding, got through that. And now, you know, now you got to find gainful employment.
2: True. Which was, which was a challenge. Um, graduated from city college, went up to Chico state and finished my degree up there. I got a BS in marketing or business administration concentration of marketing. Um, I picked Chico state number one, cause it was flat. Um, after
1: coming from City College. i <laughs> had enough of the stairs.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, Any time there was a second or third or eighth story, they had an elevator. So yeah. that's one of the reasons why I went there. Plus, I love the town. Uh, but when I graduated, um, I found a lot of the entry-level positions that I'm going to have were basically glorified stock people, stock, um, stock boy or stock person, <laughs> where I'd have to go into like a Mervyn's and you know, stock the shelves and stuff like that. Mm. that was a position. Well that kind of took me out of the running because those are things that I could do. Yeah. And this was 75, 76. So we're kind of in between that period of where people were starting to voice their opinions and doing the protest and ADA, which was 80 80s, early 90s.
1: I, I, I,
2: yep. I should know that.
1: Yeah, I know. Right. I really should know that off the top of my head. You keep talking,
2: but, but anyway, yeah. So I, at the time decided to stay, um, in Chico cause I, I liked it there. I had friends there and I just took some part-time jobs to get me through. I ended up, uh, working for, uh, getting on a blue shield of California and what got me in that, and I started out again as a, as a document preparation person. And you just took uh, claims and you prepared them to get photo, um, photo, or yeah, photocopy. And, um, but the reason I got in the door was they inter- kind of interviewed me. They saw, or they actually took my application. I got out of my car and they ran out to the car and says, hey, come in for an interview because I had a degree and Mm. that's that was what got my foot in the door and there's here's a big company in chico so um started out there document preparation and made it up to at one time i was a temporary general supervisor um and then i got a uh promotion to folsom and went down there and worked and I was there for a couple of years and I ended up getting laid off that big company layoff. And I was a part of that. So, you know, I had to start over, but again, I, I stayed into healthcare for a while. Um, but I'm, I'm, I was kind of rudderless when I left high school. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I wanted to be uh, the next Vince Scully, but I just didn't have the gift of gab. <laughs> uh, I then turned turn to sports writing and uh, I could do that a lot better, but I'm not sure if I was, I, it just, uh, I don't want to go there. Anyway, um, <laughs> that didn't work out for me. Uh, so getting into some type of organized business was good for me. And then when I got laid off, I was able to, you know, I had experience. And that was the first of three jobs that I worked at for over 10 years. And it was a kind of a funny thing when when I was in college, they kind of did this introduction, the saying, "You know, you the generation that when you um, when you retire, you probably work for multiple companies at longer, you know, shorter periods of time than the 40 year type of thing." That was kind of going away, and these mm-hmm. jump around to different jobs and and uh, was being more common. So um, I was in insurance till. No, 2006. And I had worked at two different companies for 10 plus years. Uh, And at that time, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine that I'd met um, at uh, my first job in Folsom, he, um, he bought a fence company. And he started to ask me, hey, do you want to come to be an estimator? We need an estimator. I'm like, Oh, that's, what's an estimator. It's an estimator. Right. So he kind of let me know what that is. And then, but here I am, I'm, I'm in a business where I have benefits and sick leave and vacation time and, and all these benefits. And I'm just going to a place where I would get some of my care paid, if not all of it at the time, but I had no other benefits. There was no sick leave. There was no, uh, and uh, nothing like that. So, I had to, you know, weigh the 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 cost of, uh, you know, the the the, uh, the health insurance, all that that I was given up to to go to this place. So I started working the fence company two thousand six. Retired last year. Um, Estimator was a job that I wish I would have found forty years ago because I really loved it. But I was able to do that job and you're able to do your job because of the internet. Um, yeah. If Because if I had a job site to look at, a lot of times you can go onto Google Earth and do Street View and kind of check it out, where before you had to drive there and check out the, the conditions and all that. So help well, out. even
1: even at that, there was a couple of stories you've told me where you had to go check out some sites and it got a little challenging, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yes, and you don't know till you get there. Um, yeah. Went and looked at a job at uh, the Sacramento International Airport, and we're, we're out there on the tarmac <laughs> uh, looking to where they went fence around, and, and just getting there and getting around their facility was a bit of a challenge. But
1: there's um, – Can I intercede here real quick and ask a question? Sure. Just in, in your experience, you know, whether it be – Maybe the office job, it didn't come up too much, but um, with offense estimating, what kind of reactions do you get from people? And, you know, you're showing up at an airport going out on a, <laughs> excuse me, tarmac, just so everybody knows. <laughs> I'm kind of at the, at the end of COVID, so that's why I get a this persistent cough, but I'm doing fine, doing fine, feeling good. Um, you know what I mean? I mean you get a guy scratching his head or, you know, where's your boss or what do you, what do you get?
2: Well, when I got to the airport, um, a little funny side story. I had my friend Jay with me and Jay's a quadriplegic and, uh, but they would not, they, we had all had to go through security and all that. So when we got there, he couldn't like just sit in the car. He had to come with me. And so here's two guys in wheelchairs <laughs> approaching them to get a fence <laughs> estimate <laughs> And one of the things we had to do then, thank God Jay was with me, I had to measure something from the ground up. And I'm like, how do you do that? And he showed me how you did it with a tape measure. He did it. I'm like, cool, thank you. Glad you're here. But the, you know, I, I learned from him. But um, most of it was done over the phone so they, they don't see you. But when you did go out to places like that, they accommodated us at the, at the airport. They accommodated both of us. There was no problem, but I never got a call back on the job or anything. So, you know, they just I don't know if they didn't like my estimate or you know, that's that's a possibility.
1: Right. And that's that's the thing you never know. Yeah, you because know, I've had really only a, maybe a couple of incidences in my old work career where you know, afterwards you don't get a job or something and you don't know. yeah I mean nothing clearly stood out, you know.
0: Well, good. You I know. relate to Drew because um, I remember when I got out of high school, I didn't have much of a plan either. Yeah, I was nineteen years old, a year out of uh, graduating high school, and it was a cold uh, winter, and I was a jobless young man uh, wandering around uh, Redlands, and I was kind of, you know, looking for looking for a job, and I didn't have a whole lot of a job experience, and I said, "Oh man, I need, and I was like, "Okay, I need. To, what am I going to do for money?" I said, I don't care if I end up being a janitor. I apologize if I say that word because I normally don't use that word janitor. I like the word custodian because to me the word custodian is more dignified. But anyway, I find the old community center next to the uh, district office in Redlands. I asked if they were hiring, but then they say, sorry, sir, we're not hiring at the moment. But then I turned around and walked away with, oh, well. And here I am, you know, freezing with a a can of root beer in my hand. But then the lady that was running the placement time was telling me about the volunteer program, like, Uh, what's volunteering and then she explained to me what volunteering is and I said "Hmm, hey it's better than nothing so we kind of you know shook hands we smiled we formed friendships and we became longtime confidants ever since at that time
1: well even you know whatever word you choose I know that you what you mean is every job has dignity right when you say I'll even do that means a job is a job and I'm not above it so I appreciate that brother
0: I even get this reaction from people too today. They they ask me all the time, hey, man, where's your boss? And I'm, and I'm like, you're looking at him. <laughs> That's good. I, you know, I
1: laugh because Drew's the one that kind of gave me the heads up. When I transitioned, I started slowly transitioning to the chair and using it for big outings, that kind of thing. And at some point, Drew says, you know, people are going to treat you different, you know? And I'm like, what do you mean? He says, you know, you'll be out to dinner with a group of people and they're going to turn to your friends or whoever and they're going to say, what does he want to eat? And I, I was like, no. I mean, what, what's going to be the difference? I mean, I, I walk in on crutches or I roll in on a chair. Nobody's going to do that. We could sit here and fill 30 minutes of stories of, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. that and, and most of it is funny, you know. And, and, and well, I say it's funny, but really... If you were to hear some of these stories, it, it's it, it just speaks. It, it, I guess, answers my own question from earlier. When I say, "Really, we haven't come any further in all these days," you know those things. I don't remember those things ever happening to me years and years ago. But people say these silly things. I've had people overlook me in line. You know, you're going and you're moving up in line. You know, and you get in line. There's three or four people ahead of you. You're moving up. You're moving up. You're moving up. All right, I'm next. The person gets done being served. They look over my head, say to the person next by me, "Next." And thank goodness, the person that was behind me said, "No, I think he was here first. You know, and then the person's like, "Oh, you know," like they didn't even see me. So anyway, anyway I don't get off on another tangent, but it it is amazing, yeah, Eric. Um. So, yeah, I think we all have those kinds of experiences and, 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 and I think like everybody, you know, anybody that's just getting started in life, able-bodied or, or mobility challenged or whatever it is, you know, you start wondering, you know, what am I going to do with my life? Right. And, and it's not everybody has those, most people I would say don't have that answer at that age, you know, you I did. find it. Yeah. Yeah. I know I didn't, you know, I didn't find out, find my career till I was probably 21, you know, and, and and even there, I feel extremely lucky to find something that I, that I loved for all those years where I think a lot of people, whatever they find, they may not always love it either. Definitely. You know, it's a, something to get them through at first. And then once you get going down that path. Sometimes you can't make a change, you know, for economic reasons or whatever. So, and, and this is for both of you, um, you know, what what do you think your experiences, how, how they led you to any volunteer work or advocacy work or anything like that uh, in your life? Want to go first, Eric?
0: Well, for me? I was kind of finding my niche because um, before I didn't have a whole lot of uh, job experience. and I know even back then when I look back on it now, I wouldn't really uh, want to be a custodian again, not that there's anything wrong with it because let me tell you, custodians are the hardest workers in the building and they have access to everything. That's why I like them. (laughs) As I was searching for my own identity and trying to find my own niche, there was a talent show um, at the community center. Maybe a month later, after I started volunteering, and I looked at it and read the flyer, and I said, "Hey, this could um, could be my could, could be my big break." And back then, my mentality was, "Either you become, either you become something, or you're kind of you're, you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't." So when the talent show came about, there were preparations going on. The lady was trying to get everything ready for it at the time. And she asked me if I wanted to be an MC, And I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I'd never been on the mic before, and I had no clue what an MC was. And back then, she really didn't know me all that well. And so when the night came, I picked up the mic and started to say whatever was on my mind just on the fly And, you know, before I realized it, people were laughing. I was telling jokes. The crowd was screaming and cheering. And she was in she was shock. And she's like, no way.
1: <laughs> well, I got to say, you know, and from your story and says something you said earlier too, about volunteering. Don't be afraid to volunteer for people out there. If I can give a little a bit of advice, you know, don't think that, uh, you know, I can't volunteer. There's no money in it. I'm, I'm looking for a paying job, that kind of thing. I can't tell you how many times volunteering for something has worked, you know, has turned into something that is, you know, short or long-term job you know, for me. So, and it gains you experience, especially when you're starting out, you know, that that's that one thing that is the biggest hurdle to get over when you're first starting out in life is getting experience. So don't, don't think there's no value in volunteering. You know, you, you're getting experience when, you when, when you go somewhere and you're looking for a job, do I have experience in something and you say, yes, they don't say, well, did that volunteer come with money? They don't care. You know, they they just want to know that you have experience. So
0: I'll always go to bed for this community center to this day because you know this community center saved me. It helped jumpstart my career. Yeah, I sometimes miss it, you know, and it's still there to this day.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you're you're a legacy that they can point to and and uh, so one of the success stories. How about you, Drew? I know you you coach basketball. Well. In, in, if we can back up just a little bit from that, because I know you coach, but you know you did find a niche because you had a bit of a career as a wheelchair basketball player. You know, you, you played on a team and traveled. and. Yes.
2: Uh, when I was in Chico, um, they don't remember if they were just starting one or they had one that I heard about and I, I got involved with wheelchair basketball um, with mentality that um, that I had played a bunch of basketball at, all the time at home, playing with one crutch and playing against my friends and and all that to well, you know, I, could, I got a pretty good shot and it's a bunch of guys in wheelchairs I'm going to go out there and kick their butts <laughs> <laughs> and, and when you first got in a wheelchair and you can attest to this you're not very good at it <laughs>
1: Not to be playing
2: ball, too, no. <laughs> to playing ball. These guys are very experienced. They've been in their chairs a long time. They just ran circles around me. It was a, it was a joke. But anyway, that, that introduced me, and uh, there was a gentleman, uh, Eric Snedeker, and his partner at the time, Bill Bonest, they started a, a, a organization called Ability First. Eric has taken this to fruition. It's now um, a, a rather larger organization in Chico, they've branched out to having a camp every year to having events all year round, and their ability first um, sports camp I used to go and volunteer as a coach at and um, that started bringing my experiences around so what got me in the door was playing wheelchair basketball uh, and meeting these people and starting networking with other individuals with disabilities, uh, which I hadn't really done in my adult life. Uh, then I ended up getting my promotion, moving down to Folsom and getting involved with the, they had a couple wheelchair basketball teams in Sacramento. So I you know, joined one of them and played with them. And there's a lady, um, that you should definitely have on the show. Her name's Annie Destelinaros. If I got her name right. Mm-hmm. Uh, She was the leader of uh, Access Leisure's City of Sacramento, um, Parks and Recreation. And Access Leisure was uh, a a branch of the city government that was looking for um, leisure opportunities for disabled individuals. So, uh, And she mushroomed from there, but that's another story. She asked me one day if I wanted to teach a youth basketball class so that got me into the city of sacramento uh, and it, it was just a little part-time thing um but it got me into teaching and coaching and opened up uh, opened up some other avenues uh one of those programs that they made uh was a power soccer um, for individuals in power chairs so these athletics and people uh, in wheelchairs playing basketball. Well, that leaves out you know people with disabilities that are in a power chair, and so that was another thing that they asked me to coach, and I had no I had no clue. That's something I had to learn from scratch. But anyway, um, so throughout, um, I, I felt like any if nothing else, I was kind of giving back. And Sacramento, the, they through Annie and other. Government agencies and individuals mainly. They built a, uh, a independence field, which is totally accessible. It's a tartan, basically a, a tartan uh, field, rubberized field that anybody can roll over or run on. Or and they had a softball diamond, the whole nine yards, and then they could have kids come out there and play. And you know, I think they had Challenger baseball at the time, but this opened the opportunities for different people to come out um, and giving back then and, and just going in and, and uh, being a part of that and seeing these kids out and doing things that I didn't have the opportunity to do. And not only did they go out and participate in something like that and they didn't know it, but they were networking and now they have friends you know, that have friends that they didn't have before. And those are the things, you know, growing up that we didn't have that's available today that, uh, you know, I I just, I just love.
1: Yeah. You know, the couple of things in listening to you, first of all, is that, you know, you were, you were, you were given the opportunity to be a a coach. You were asked to volunteer to do that. And you said, I don't know what I'm doing. So I got to learn from scratch. I think there's a lot of people that would have said, I, I don't know what I'm doing and just maybe been afraid to even give it a try. So, you know, I think more people have to look at it that way. Here's an opportunity. They've asked me, you know, so they must have seen something in me. So, you know, it's a, it's an opportunity. And it's led to so many other things that you never even considered. You know, you you had a community. You were a part of a community now. And you gave the opportunity for those other people who might've been isolated and been home without a program like this and didn't get to interact. So, you know, you provided that for them with, you know, through the city's program. And the other thing is for whatever reason, and I don't know why, if it's part of our upbringing or, you know, our individualism, I don't know, but we were never really joiners. You know, from the time we left the, the school for, for crippled children, or you know, however they said it back then, you know, and went on to mainstream school. We, I, I, I don't think of it as we left our disabled community behind. Certainly, hopefully not. Um, but I, I just think this was our new re- reality, and you know, you're you're trying to keep up with school, and I mean, school. You, you'll attest to this coming from the environment we were in, where like you said before, two classes of 12 students each, you know, the the parent to, or the teacher to student ratio of time, you didn't get that, you know, and when you went to public school, when there might be 20 to 30 kids in a class, you know, with one teacher. Yeah. You, so, and we were a little behind, you know, and there was a lot of catch up while, when we went to public school, Uh, just for whatever reason, I don't know, you know, we, we spent a lot of time in that school doing other things. You know, there was occupational therapy, physical therapy uh, during the day. So we didn't spend our entire day on academics. So that's another thing. But uh, so we weren't, we weren't really part of our community, but it kind of circled back around as we got older and, you know, then we embraced it again. I, I think I, I went through a period in high school where there was a teacher and I, I, can't remember what he said to me at the time, but I was going to what they called, you know, it was the adaptive, adaptive PE, you know, if you couldn't do the, you know, the, the activities, they just sent you to a room and you stood in there, you know, with other people that maybe either long-term disability. I don't remember anybody else, like you say, but the rest of the kids were kids who had, sprained an ankle and were recovering and they this is where they went before they went back to regular pe or things like that or maybe some other issues but (coughs) sorry so I, i think what the the teacher was alluding to me was that i was like hiding behind my disability you know by not getting involved in sports or whatever and and I, I don't know ironically I, I did that's when I started getting involved as a, a manager of the track team and different things like that and really what I was doing was getting away from him <laughs> because I didn't like him and he was the guy that was in charge of this beat. so at the time I don't know if he it was going to reverse psychology and you know he manipulated me I don't know but it, it worked out it was a great experience I I got to travel you know to all the different places that that the team would travel to and, you know, some in Southern California, we'd go North, you know, go to major track events and, you know, just not one-on-one, but they'd have the track meets with multi-schools and, you know, so great experience came out of it. And, you know, that, well, that was our able body, but then as I, it kind of dovetailed with radio, when I got into radio and we did things that were, Volunteer. We did radio thons and things like that for St. Jude, and, and so that's when that it kind of came back to me that I wanted to give back to the to the organizations that helped our parents, and and then I kind of got involved that way. So it kind of it took a break a little bit, but came back.
2: Well, it sounds like that guy pushed a button on you that kind of sets you free for uh, the rest of your life. Basically, he challenged you.
1: Yeah, yeah, exact. Don't
2: I don't want to give him the credit, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what you did, you've given back in a in a humongous way.
1: Yeah. Well, I always tell people I get I get more than I give. I feel like you know. Oh. So what else? So can you know? And again, I'll throw this out to both of you: Is there? Anything that your visit, your 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 disability has taught you about yourself, that, or or maybe you even had to develop in yourself to survive, you know, in life.
0: One of the things I've, I I uh, learned even to this day, it's not about what I can do; it's about what I can do for others. Very nice. I'm a lot, a lot more effective than helping others than when it comes to helping myself because um, helping yourself is tough. <laughs> well from my perspective of course
1: yeah yeah
0: no you're you're right
1: you're right yeah you open know, yourself sometimes it's the the hard part is identifying that there may be an issue you need to work on with yourself and you know and then to actually do the work yeah absolutely drew anything come up for you
2: yeah I, i'd have to go back to um Getting the job at uh, Blue Shield, my first big major job, because uh, that introduced me into an environment where again I was you know the only disabled person there, um, physically, visually disabled, I should say, um, but in an environment where they had to adapt to some of my needs, and I you know I had to adapt to a, a able-bodied work environment because that's all there was out there, right. Uh, but I think just that experience there just taught me a lot about working with other people and working for people, you know, I, I had small jobs before then, like cashiers and stuff like that, that, uh, there wasn't a big hierarchy or a lot of fellow employees involved. So anyway, uh, it just started me down to the thought process where I went into management you know just instead of working you know i can I, i've got ideas to make this better and sort of thing and i want to manage people and it got me into management and it wasn't it turned out when i when i started estimating i look back and i go i, I it wasn't my favorite thing to do uh, the management part of it managing employees because i i i felt um I always felt too close to my employees. I wasn't like their boss. I was more almost like their friend. And so that's one of the things you have to learn. Anybody has to learn when they're in leadership. But um, figuring that out helped me out later in, in different processes that uh, that i went through, coaching and playing and, um, and playing well with others.
1: Do you do you find because I know you're you're a sports guy? Do you find a correlation though between that leadership that is so important on on the field, like it is in the workplace? Did you ever find any of those lessons that you would learn from your heroes, say in in sports, that you could apply in the workplace? Um,
2: there was th- there were things there were things there. Um, I hadn't really got into. Much more than you know, the basketball at, at Chico, and uh, so it wasn't later on, it's probably more of the work experience that helped me out of my coaching experience ah. and, and taking that into coaching and, and taking some of my school knowledge and my work knowledge and applying it to coaching,
1: yeah. You know, also, as we have this conversation, is what do, um, do you think there's anything that's missed by today's, let's maybe focus a little bit on the youngsters who have a disability and who are kind of at this point in their lives where they're going to make that transition from being, you know, a, a young adult to, you know, now having to be on their own and independent looking for employment and housing and all those things are there because of all the programs that are out there, do, you, does it help or hinder? You know what I mean? I mean, some of the challenges we went through, I think developed some things in us that we had the perseverance to overcome and, and problem solve and all those things that go along with it. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, I think my mentality, and I think this was kind of your mentality um, growing up, and basically taught to us by our parents, was we're like everybody else. My mentality was I wasn't until a physical barrier came up. I wasn't any different than you. Yeah, uh, I'm, you know, I'm just as important as you are. Yeah. So when you start going through the process and you're mainstreamed into school and um, that's a lot hard to attain because there's so much. There's more physical barriers. There's people that you don't know, don't understand you, are not used to you, and how they treat you. Especially back in the sixties and seventies, and you know that 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 environment has all changed today um, to where you know they didn't experience the the challenges that we have. They have you know, like you said, they have their own challenges but the, the opportunities are so big and there's so there's so many of them out there now that you you have a you can pick a, a vocation and actually there's a path for you to get there there weren't the barriers that um, yeah. people have tackled some of those barriers before before now so
1: all right let's flip that What would you say to a parent of a child with disability as far as motivating them or or maybe, you know, being there too much for them?
2: That's a tough one because I saw that a lot. And
0: uh, I
2: think going back to our parents, they gave us a lot of independence that I see a lot of kids don't have. I saw it in my basketball class. Um, The kids would, you know, the moms or dads would be there, especially the moms. Um, It's like you wanted to go over and say, hey, why don't you go out and get a cup of coffee? We'll be done in an hour. You know, because the kid is still attached to that parent. And here's a good opportunity, an hour opportunity for you just to leave him there and let him. And they weren't doing that.
1: And and they right they would love doing that right did you see people just blossom some that wouldn't oh they know, wouldn't do you mean the parents wouldn't or the kid wouldn't
2: they had the relationship where it was tough for the kid if the mom left
1: yeah gotcha okay um understandable
2: stay there <laughs> and and that was probably the uh, one of the largest ones that i saw it was one of the take most of them were you know they're just they didn't know what to do they were kind of like in the you know shoving their kid out there to, to get them involved. And, and then they find out that, you know, they become friends with other parents and there's a network there and they find out different things that the kids can do and they get involved in. And it's not only, you know, physical activities, but the uh, uh, sports activities, I should say, there's arts and crafts dancing. There's, there's anything they want to do.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. So it wasn't one of the core, you know goals of the program but all these other kind of intrinsic things you know were there that were unintended that the parents never thought of i don't know maybe the maybe the organizers did think of them you know but they don't put them out front you know bring your kids and then sure. they get all these other things too
2: and everybody does stuff that works for them you know this is what's yep. my child and but, you, but when they come out there you can tell says, these parents are more like my parents and these parents are not um, and and I you know I go back to my parents my mom was a disabled kids mom our mom was yeah uh, we didn't know it at the time but she pulled a lot of triggers that I had no idea how they came to be I have no idea how we ended up at parma I have uh, no idea what she did to um, to get us into a "quote unquote" regular school. Um, I have no idea. This is the funny one. I have no idea how she got us on the short bus, but something along the lines is she didn't feel like we had to pay for the bus because we were disabled and couldn't ride our bike or, or walk to school. So okay, we'll put you on the short bus, um, yeah. which is uh, you know one of those things that we went through, but. Um, I almost lost my train of thought here. Uh, My yeah, our dad, you know, go out and do it. You know, Uh, where's your crutch? Well, I left it down at Richie's. Well, go (laughs) Go get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, you can leave it there. You can go get it. (laughs) He's responsible. And just, you know, it it wasn't, he didn't, uh, for lack of another term, baby us in any way. No. Out into the world, and he told us that you know, if you want it, you got to do it yourself and showed us that, uh,
1: yeah. You know, and that that's not one of those things we even realized until much that, later in life. Months later, yeah. I mean, it's just the way it was for us, just the way it was
2: because there, there was no internet to go to, there was no you, know, you had to actually make a phone call, you had to make several phone
0: calls mm-hmm.
2: or find out from some other. You know, a parent or something, you know, what's the opportunities I have here?
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, by the time we get old enough to where we're now curious about how do those things happen, they're gone. Yeah. So there's advice to kids. If you have any questions, you know, ask them early. But the problem is you don't have these questions until it's later and you, you have a different perspective. What else? Anything else that I forgot? That uh, wraps it up, Eric. You got anything
0: else we should grill Drew about? Nah, no, I'm not. I'm not really much in a grill in a grilling mood. I mean, <laughs> no. if I'm a grill, if I'm a grill anything, it's gonna be a uh, steak, <laughs> hot dogs, burgers, whatever. <laughs> gotcha,
1: <laughs> gotcha. So you you want to get him on record as predicting uh, the Dodgers uh, end of end of the season postseason run here? Or- you want me to predict? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We we'll get we we'll get I, Drew on record.
2: Uh, I'm always cautiously optimistic. <laughs> Love watching them. I don't miss them. Um, benefit down here in Mexico. They're never blacked out. Uh, <laughs> but you know they've done well before. When they get to the playoffs, they don't finish the 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 the, the duty on hand. So. I really like their team. I like their chemistry, but we'll wait and see.
1: See how it goes. Got to play the games. <laughs> right. So, right. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I don't know if you have any, any thoughts on this at all, but I was just thinking about this the other day. I, I can't watch any sports because it's, it's, I don't, know, I don't know if it's necessarily blacked out, but just the, just the, the nature of now streaming Right. And who carries what, depending on the service that you decide to take. Right. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't ever get to watch any angels games. It seems like they even if they're the game of the week on Fox, I don't get to see them because they'll black that out even, you know, and ESPN is, I think I've watched some on ESPN. Um, but you know, same thing kind of with the, the Raiders and, you know, whoever I want to watch. Mm hmm. Uh, it, it's like who how do people watch their favorites I mean I guess you have to spend the money I have to get I have to get an MLB you know package or something so I can watch my
2: but so you'll you'll still be blocked out for your
1: angels games so there's no point in me even getting that so you get the MLB network sorry for the sports talk folks but <laughs> you can't even watch your <laughs> it was the, the team that you wanted to watch if it happens to be your local team.
2: They're figuring they have a local network that you can watch it on.
1: Yeah.
2: And I know the well, donors have the same issues the Angels do.
1: Yeah. Yep. Down your area. So it's Valley Sports now. I forget what it was before. I think it was Fox Sports West mm. or something. But now it's Valley Sports. Well, Valley Sports isn't on my provider. Right, and I think they went belly up pretty recently.
2: I know that Major League Baseball has taken over um, something from Bally's.
1: Oh, well, they did. Uh, well, maybe it'll show up somewhere. Be nice to watch some games again. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, I think this is probably one of the longest interviews we've ever done, so we should wrap it up before we drive people away. But uh, thank you for taking your time to to. To meet with us, Drew, and and share. Thank you for getting updated now. When we talk about uh, my brother Drew, now they'll have a little bit of context to, to draw from. So we're gonna let you get back to the beach, or, you know, some cocktail or taco or something. Whatever you got planned for today. What's the What's the plans right now?
2: Plans right now. Um, probably you know, brunch, hang out a little bit. Games on at three forty. <laughs> Maybe go out for a it's bite It's
0: Taco Tuesday
1: It is, Taco Tuesday. It is Taco, Tuesday. It's Taco Tuesday Taco every day down here <laughs> All righty, we'll kick you loose Thank you very much for joining us here on Walk you, and Roll Live
0: It's good to meet you, man
1: Good to meet you, Eric
0: I learned patience from my adoptive dad All he had to say was
1: Hey, you got this Just breathe <sighs> Hey. <laughs> hey, we're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Might have to start a band. <laughs> I got it. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. <laughs> Visit adoptuskids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. All right, three, two, one. I'll bring us back here. Welcome back. Walk and roll live as we kind of wrap up things for this week. Uh, anything uh, coming up in your week that we need to know about? Sound like you had a story that we didn't get a chance to tell earlier. What uh, did you have something to go on this
0: past week that we missed? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, this is yeah. last Saturday, too. Last Saturday, me and my fiance, uh, we went uh, apple picking to lunch with some friends of hers, husband and wife. They're just like us, a very loving husband and wife. The place that we went to, it was located uh, deep in the wide open space past Yukaipa. It was called uh, Oakland. And right past um, the area, we were driving up and I looked around, you know, because I like to see the scenery, enjoy the ride up and all that great stuff. And so I turned and I looked out my window while we were driving. There was a herd of cow. And as we were passing the herd of cow, I was like, holy cow. <laughs> and then i'm all observing the flowers and the trees i'm like this is beautiful you see all this wide open space ain't nothing like taking a little drive out towards the country of course that's what i call it but as we arrived to oakland we arrived on this uh, farm called riley's and there was all kinds of you know uh there was a general store there was berry picking there was pear picking there was apple picking going on there was um a, a, res- a barbecue restaurant next to the uh, general store because it was all in, like, one big area. But if you look around the area somewhere, there was hay rides. We got to saw how apple cider was made, which is very delicious because I never had a fresh apple, you know, from the crop or fresh cider, you know, when it's first made. And uh, I'm not, not to bash any store-bought, but after having a freshly-made cider, I can never go back to apple juice, even if it's store-bought. I'm sorry about that, folks. But the lunch up there was pretty good, too. We were... Going to another village. It was located on uh, oh Let me skip the location for a second, folks. It was right. a while beautiful. You're looking, beautiful.
1: Town, while man. you're looking at that. Did you? Did you actually pick some apples?
0: Oh yeah. Let me tell you, it was yeah. lots of fun picking some, picking some apples, man. We well, here I am with my walking stick, and uh, the cool thing is they only charge you by the pound of uh, apples that you okay. uh, pick, and they say you could pick as many as you like, and that's what we did. So here I am with my. Um, Beyonce and the husband we let him take the lead on this trip because he knew more about this place than we did because he's been around that type of environment ever since he was a kid so I'm like okay guys let's talk and we're picking let's get moving come on man <laughs> so here we are. there's picking. the leader i'm, I'm all uh, looking around you know enjoying the scenery you know observing the town folk because they were dressed up in red t-shirts and they had a the little cowboy and farmer's house i'm like damn man i sure bought my cowboy hat that would have been cool but then again, this is an old McDonald. And then uh, I was be looking I was looking for the freshest and sweetest apples I could find because I'm more of a fan of the golden apples and the red apples more than the green apples. And then uh, my fiance tells me, hey, honey, I found gold apples. I'm like, where, 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 where? So here I am, my walking stick running up the hill like a maniac. And then I looked up close. I'm like, wait, wait, wait these aren't golden. And she's like, sorry, sweetheart. I was like, sorry to get your hopes up. I'm like, man. Why do you think I came running up like that? And then a couple hour, a couple of minutes went by. We, we saw a good tree that had the best apples we could find. I'm like, good job. I'm like, do you see this tree? This is a gold mine. This is why I call you good eyes. Yes, man. Felt like a good anyway, weekend. After we were done picking our apples for a good hour and a half, we went and paid the fee. And surprisingly, the fee was only $14 because they only charge you by the pound. And so after this hard, all this picking and working, we went to lunch, and we found this uh, other village. They had like you know restaurants. They had this old uh, candy shop, and this is all within a uh, within one single lot. They had an ice cream parlor. They had these stores, you know, with jewel. Ju- they were selling like jewelry, all kinds of produce and uh, crops from the orchard. There was some jerky. There was some good jam. Oh man, that was good jam. Any, uh, any any apple cobbler? Apple crisp. Mm-hmm. Everything was apple themed I was very close to getting uh apple beer, but I said, ah, eh, maybe next time. I was more interested in the uh, you know, the jerky, the gum cigarettes, if I could ever find them, <laughs> and basically the cider, because no matter how the day went by, I was like, All right, Eric, don't forget the cider, because I made a promise to my in-law that I bring back a gallon of cider, which I did. Good and job. I made sure it was
1: fresh. Good job. Wow, that sounds like fun. I, I, you're right. I meant to ask you about that because you you sent me a couple of pictures from up there, and I'm like, oh, we'll have to talk about that on the podcast. Well, sounds like a good time. Absolutely, it's beautiful up there. So that's all I got. Uh, just uh, want to remind everybody to check out the resources page on our website at walk and i got a few new uh, resources up there. And if there's anything that uh, you would like to see up there, or if you go looking for something and it's not there, but you'd like to buy the resource for it, let us know at war live at walk and That is our uh, email, or uh, you can leave us a comment on any one of the podcasts uh, uh, platforms and and. We'll see it, and we'll get back to you and let you know. All right? Uh, I think that's it. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Uh, as we come to you from the Aguilar uh, Professional Training Studio for Eric Aguilar, I'm Doug Vincent. I'm going to let you have the closing remark here.
0: I'm Eric Aguilar my buddy Doug. Thanks for watching. We will see you next week. Enjoy your Taco Tuesday, folks. Ciao.
2: Walk and Roll Live is heard around the world at walkandrolllive.com, Podbean, and Spotify. Like us at Facebook.com slash walk and roll live. You can email us at
1: war live at walkandrolllive.com with comments, observations, or whatever's on your mind. Whatever's on your mind. Have a topic you'd like to hear or a guest you think would be great for the show? Let us know. Look for new episodes every Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for listening.